This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Jody Stewart grew up in Denver, Colorado, studied as an international baccalaureate in high school, and attended BYU and graduated with a bachelor's in psychology. She then worked in corporate training until she got promoted to full-time mom and home manager. Jody now lives in St. George, Utah with her husband, three sons, and one daughter. She currently produces a marriage vlog with her husband, Jeff, which offers free research-based marriage enrichment content in a fun, entertaining format on YouTube. Now for my conversation with Jody Stewart. Well, welcome, Jody. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast. I know you're a very busy woman, mother of four, and a marriage vlogger, <laughs> which I did see the first episode of, which was fabulous. Um, but perhaps you can just set the stage for us and tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing and your beginnings in the church and in life. So I was raised a member of the church. Uh, we lived out in the, the, the quote, mission field, and uh, there are five children in my family, um, and we grew up very actively participating in uh, church activities. Uh, and that was a, an area where it, it would have made a difference had we not participated. There weren't hordes of people at the ready to, to do anything that was needed. So it was an area where we really felt like we mattered. We had a purpose. We had a place there. We really belonged in that area. And we are showing up made a contribution that, that I could see even as a child growing up. I knew that, it, that I was important there and that if I didn't show up, it would make a difference. So that just became the wallpaper of, of our life. It was church was what we did. We did it on Sunday, and we did it through the week. And I learned in my home to say prayers, and we held family home evening. Uh, those were the things that gave me the foundation for getting to know who God really is. Can you pinpoint an experience or a time when you thought, you know, I. I believe, and this experience is a jumping point for me, for my testimony. Um, when I was a junior in high school, I attended a baptism of a youth in our stake. And I don't, even, I don't recall whose baptism it was. I don't even remember it being somebody close to me. But it was a church meeting, and that was... All, uh, that was also my chance to connect socially with other members of the church, and so I, I went to about every activity that that there was, uh, and this was a, it was a teenager that was getting baptized, and I sat in the meeting, and I had a terrible realization that that person knew something that I didn't know. And it was very distressing to me because it was my life. 
And I felt like I couldn't say that I know the church is true, even though I had repeated those words several times during a testimony meeting. Um, so I trusted mentors and leaders, and everybody directed me back to Moroni's promise that if I would ask God, he would tell me. So I did. So I knelt down and prayed and asked, and nothing happened. I just kept that in my heart and kept it in my prayers. Several months later, I don't recall the timeline, but it was a while later. I was laying on my bed one afternoon after school, reading my scriptures, which I tried to do to keep up with my seminary reading. And I tried to do it before I did my homework. Otherwise, I I knew it would get squeezed out. And so I laid on my bed reading in my scriptures and just wondering in my heart if this was all really true. And my answer was a, was kind of a memory. And it wasn't even a memory of a single experience. But it was an awareness that I had been swimming in this water as far as I could remember. The water was warm and inviting, and the water helped me grow. And, and I realized that I had a living testimony, that my regular participation in things that would keep me and my spirit close to the Lord and close to the promptings that he could send, that that's how I knew. I knew because I had lived it, and, and I didn't need a yes or a no at that time. I just realized that I had been introduced to the light and I had finally seen it for what it was and was happy to stay in it. For so many of us, oftentimes we're looking for a distinct experience that we can say, oh, there was my angel moment. Mm -hmm. But for so many of us, and only for myself, I can say it's just this conglomeration of experiences Mm -hmm. that if somebody said, why do you believe? I can say, how much time do you got? (laughs) Right. So there's so many things that have happened and so many feelings and experiences and miracles that I Mm -hmm. can't deny. I think it was uh, Marjorie Hinckley who said, I have seen too much not to believe. And that really resonates with me. Sometimes I can't very eloquently verbalize why I believe, but I, I know what I have experienced and that it is too much for me not to believe. And that's not to say, though, that as we get older, mm-hmm. we don't go through this transition of... Right. Uh, our, our testimony evolves and matures and kind of gets pulled apart. And so we maybe lose some things that we thought were like, <laughs> I don't want to say doctrine, but recognizing the difference oh, yes. between doctrine and policy and practice and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about how your testimony has evolved and how your connection with God has changed over the years. My my testimony did form with a firm belief that I could earn my worthiness and I could be good enough that God would make room for me. That if I just, I think because I saw firsthand how much my, my doing mattered, 
uh, not only at church, but in my home, that it, that I came to believe that if I could do enough, that God would have a place. And I carried that full bore into my marriage and my motherhood. And it wasn't until it became such a heavy burden that I, my back couldn't carry the weight. I just couldn't keep holding all the pieces together like I thought a good Mormon girl should. And that's not to say that, you know, we didn't have struggles before then, because we did. Jeff and I had a fair share of stuff we had to work out, and, that, and we've done that all along the way. And I had things that I, you know, my own demons that I had to face as I was raising my children. And so all of that was going on. But somewhere in my heart, I still believed that if I could just be good enough, it would be okay. And I took that with me into every prayer. Um, I would just approach the Lord with just a hanging head and shame in my heart, feeling genuinely apologetic that I still wasn't good enough, but I'll get it next time. I'll do better next time, you know, carrying all that weight on my own shoulders. And it wasn't until I couldn't carry it anymore that I couldn't, I experienced a big hit and I couldn't recover on my own with all of my own, you know, strength and, and personal mastery. And it was just falling to pieces and recognizing that it wasn't the right path to try to put those pieces back together, that I, I had to find new pieces. And that was a very difficult and very long process. But it was the beginning of God revealing to me who he really was. As you were talking, I was thinking about the scripture, take my yoke upon you. Yes. And I will give you rest. Yes. And I think so often, and I don't know what it is about us women, but we, we just want to do it all ourselves, don't we? Mm-hmm. And especially in the church, we're going to just do everything exactly right and dot all our, all our I's and cross all our T's. And then somewhere in that equation, we forget that it's Christ that's the one that gives us even the strength to do what we're doing right in that very right. moment. And I didn't discover that until... I had to come to him and say, I have nothing. Like, usually I at least have a strong will and a willingness to do this again tomorrow, but I I have nothing. I'm in pieces. Now what? And he showed me what. And it was multiplied, magnified in amazement what that turned out to be. Isn't that liberating? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, to be able to let go of all those things that I thought mattered so much. Absolutely. There was a great talk given by, and I can't remember the sister's name, last general women's conference Mm. about divine discontent. She talked about the difference between guilt and just this natural tension that exists in our lives when we're trying to live the gospel, but we're human. 
Yes. And we make mistakes and we're always going to fall and we're always going to fail. But it's it's that divine discontent that continues to propel us to right. progress. Yes. So I think I love that you share that experience that sometimes we have to fall to pieces mm-hmm. in order to recognize that it's it's Christ that mm-hmm. was he was the one all along that was making any of it possible and that we are good enough right here and right now. Yes. For his love and for his grace. And that has been and in some ways continues to be one of the most surprising and the most poignant pieces of the gospel message for me. But but surprising that when I began to bring my broken heart to the Lord, he did not have a shaking finger for me. He just had love. And after my first experience with that, I thought, okay, so now I know he loves me. And so now I got to, you know, I was still early in my learning of, of what that was all about, expecting that this was just the one big stumble that I was allowed. Um, but repeatedly, repeatedly, I would come with my own awareness of my shortcomings, and his answer would just be love. I, I felt at times that he would most times not have a correction or a direction or an answer, but just, just an affirmation that I was his. And that was just so surprising. Surprising to receive that, not having been able to earn it. But such an important lesson and message just for the foundation of what has just propelled me forward in the depth of my testimony and faith. I think that one of the challenges as members of the church is remembering that while there is a clear path that leads back to Father in Heaven, our mortal experience is not a one-size, prepackaged, fits-all deal. So how, as, as you have recognized and felt this love that God has for you, even in your brokenness, mm-hmm. that you don't have to earn your worth. How do we give others and ourselves the latitude to walk that path mm-hmm. back to our Father at our own pace and our own way? Mm-hmm. So years ago, I gave a talk, and this metaphor came to me for the purposes of the talk. Just attending a music lesson which I was familiar with. I, I grew up going to piano lessons. And uh, I just realized that Father wasn't like many of the teachers that I had experienced, you know, where I would show up never having practiced sufficiently and never being able to perform to my liking and usually theirs. But that all he cared about was that I kept coming to the lesson that I just keep coming back and looking to him for guidance about how to play the song, about how to, to move forward in my own personal purpose. So with, with that as somewhat of a foundation for me, that has helped me just to be gentle with myself and then also with others, which doesn't always come easily on either side, really. but. I just make a practice 
on a regular basis to ask for his help in keeping that truth in my heart and then helping me stay open to it in others. Because, and maybe that's where, for me, where it works is I just recognize how much I need that. I just need to know that even though sometimes, some days I don't practice, and some days I practice really, really hard, and I'm still fumbling about in the peace, he just welcomes me to a lesson. And I think because I just understand that, that I need that so regularly and consistently, I'm more at peace with somebody else needing it also. One of the great blessings I feel being a member of the church is being among the saints, among some truly great people. Yes. But on, on the other side of the coin is one of the great challenges of being a member of the church is being among the saints. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was one of the most surprising things to me uh, in, in my adulthood was to recognize that to be part of Zion, which is what I had always been striving toward, like meant some real difficulty inside of Zion. And, and not that, you know, I understand that theoretically we haven't reached that point and that we're still striving, but, but to see it inside was just shocking, shocking to me. I thought we would really all just improve and develop toward a place where it wouldn't be like that anymore. And I felt like the older I got, the more difficult, the more bogged down, the more complicated it became in some respects. So you described being surprised by some of the discord that you see in Zion. I agree. Zion is still very much in its building phase. And that worksite environment can be a bit dusty and messy. And we may not always see eye to eye as saints on certain issues. Sometimes we may see in the church, in ourselves, the human tendency to become hyper-focused on the law, making it difficult to love others in their imperfection and not judge others. Living in that environment is especially hard when our life or the life of a loved one may not follow the prescribed gospel path in some way. So how do we faithfully navigate the challenging situation of perhaps feeling judged or mistreated in Zion? Hmm. Yeah, I think I have a bit of a mixed, mixed response to that, in, in part because my own awareness has developed around that through hard experience. And so no amount of talking or discussing ideas or, or researching um, or delving would have helped me to learn what I have had to learn through hard experience. So maybe, maybe one piece of that answer is just to welcome the growth that comes through struggle and suffering. Because there is just no substitute for who we can become through that process. Although we can make it a stumbling block. Uh, and it's no fun. I mean, who wants to struggle? Who wants to see where we're, we're falling short and, and come up against ourselves in ways that are sometimes almost unbearable to look at? Uh, so I think there's, that's a piece of it. My oldest son left to serve a mission 
Um, he had worked really hard and earned all of his money to pay for the mission. He was worthy and faithful and moved forward in that direction and had had a really good experience until he didn't. And he faced some very personal and difficult struggles there uh, that brought him home nine months later, just with debilitating depression and anxiety. That caused me to look very closely at what I thought was important. I had to really ask myself, how much do I care that my son serves a full two-year mission? How much do I care about his personal experience enough to be at peace the new direction that this has taken? I just had to look long and hard at my own child. And, and he was my first, my first child and my first child to serve a mission. I had all sorts of expectations of what it would be like for us and for him. And all of that just came crashing down. Uh, and not only that, but then we had to figure out how to help piece him back together so he can live a happy, fulfilling life moving forward. So for me, I just had to come face to face with, you know, all the, all the behaviors that would line up so neatly in a row that, that made the correct kind of Mormon life. You know, that juxtaposed with my son, who I love, who was suffering. I felt the divide at that point. I felt myself recognizing that that Mormon resume doesn't matter. But his experience, well, and part of what it contributed to his struggle on his mission was a really strong culture of self-righteousness and judgment that that came from from the leadership and and affected the way he saw himself and his own efforts. I just had a, a choice to make. I could see a person or I could miss the mark. You know, I'm a little bit even surprised now to hear myself say that was a bit of a hard choice. I just didn't realize how much I had in me that expected things to still to just look just so. I had to learn how to really love someone someone that I didn't understand, somebody that I knew I had to learn how to love in ways that I hadn't before. You know, I had to look at all my, my 19 years of motherhood and ask myself, did I teach him that this is what matters, This just checking all the boxes? Did I send the wrong message that, that when you do the best you can to move toward God, everything works out okay? In my mind, it would have been so much cleaner had he decided not serve a mission and had he just gone and self-destructed in some other ways. I would have had an answer for that. But to have his life fall apart because, in part because of pressures that he felt coming from doing the right thing at the right time, you know, quote unquote, in a young man's life in our culture, that just through everything spinning out for me. I really had to just reevaluate where I stood on all that. So that's kind of a 
that is an example of a personal struggle that I've had to have that has just blown apart any preconceived notions I had that faithful commitment to the gospel looks a certain way. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that very vulnerable story. And I, I was thinking of something that Brad Wilcox had said, and I don't know if you've heard any of his talks on grace. We're not here to earn heaven. Mm. We are here to learn heaven. Oh, that's beautiful. If we really understand and grasp this concept of unconditional love that our Savior and our Heavenly Father have for us, that when those things happen, when our lives are in pieces, when our our sons come home from Mm -hmm. missions broken, Mm -hmm. that we can believe that, that God can still make something beautiful of his life. Right. And that we don't have to be scared no. of that mess. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's like, that's where he does his work. Like where we are soft enough to be reached by him is when we're a mess. As we come to a close, I so appreciate, again, the, the vulnerability, the authenticity. That's what I hope for in mm. this podcast. Um, but in all of this challenge, what... What anchors you in your faith? Why are you still rowing? Hmm. I'm still rowing because despite some of the difficulties that arise at a time like this where there are so many varying experiences and, and backgrounds, I have felt in my body and in my spirit God's presence. I have felt it in the temple. I have felt it in my home. So although I know I can't dictate how he'll commune with me or when or where, but he has consistently consistently shown up so that if I have a moment of panic like I did as a teenager, wondering if I knew, I can ride that wave and know that soon enough there will be warmth and light and and connection with him. Thank you so much, Jody. What a wonderful gal you are and I appreciate the time and the and the testimony that you've borne and shared today. Well thank you, Tara. It's lovely being here and talking about these things with you. Hey y'all I had a couple of post-interview thoughts I wanted to share to just piggyback off of some of Jody's great insights. We do a lot right in the church and as Latter-day Saints, but the fact that there is discord and unkindness in Zion is distressing to many and is causing some to lose their desire to want to come to church. It's heartbreaking to me how much I hear that people don't want to be with the saints because they feel judged mistreated, or uncomfortable at church. Now, I fully recognize this is a two-way street. If we are looking to be offended, we will find reason to be, regardless of what people do or say. And often, we too may be being judgmental in such a case. But that's not to say that we can't take a good, hard look at ourselves as Latter-day Saints and ask, am I creating an inclusive space at church through my words 
and actions that will help others feel loved and accepted. I recently became aware of a group called Uplift Community of Faith, which is a support group for members of the church who may be struggling with their faith or members who want to simply increase their faith and support others in that effort. I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you're interested in looking into the group. But there have been a number of comments from members on that group about having difficulty with the culture of the church and the impact it has on their desire to attend church. Now, when people talk about the culture of the church, I've come to understand that this typically means the non-doctrinal elements of our faith tradition and the perceived attitudes of judgment, uh, self-righteousness, and maybe rigidness that we might see in members. One woman in that group recently wrote, and I will paraphrase her thought, I am really struggling right now with the church, not the gospel, but the church and the culture of the church. I try and talk to my husband about my struggles with my faith and the church, and he just gets irritated with me. He is so black and white. So she put out to the group, what has helped you feel peace at church even in the midst of your struggles? I wrote to her and wanted to share my response with you. I said, dear sister, I am so sorry you're struggling right now. This is a challenge for many. I feel that one of the great blessings of being a member of the church is living among the saints. On the flip side, one of the great challenges of being a member of the church is living among the saints. It's hard witnessing the judgment that exists among us and the apparent lack of Christ-like love at times. And yes, there are other elements of church culture that are irritating and can be hard to stomach. But remember, this is a human problem not just a Latter-day Saint problem, found among any group, religious or not. Yet, it's still irritating. Disclosure, I have to admit, my kids irritate me. A lot, sometimes. Some days I wonder why I put up with so much from them. Sometimes it sounds appealing to run away and never come back. But, even in my hardest moments, I wouldn't abandon them because I know this is where I need to be. Not just for them, but for me. Raising a family looks like a lot of sacrifice compromise, and sometimes just a lot of putting up. But the arduous task of raising a family and managing those messy familial relationships is slowly changing me into more of the woman God wants and needs me to be. Similarly, our ward families are messy and imperfect. With all our differences, we can irritate one another. We can offend one another. Sometimes we'd rather not engage, and running away sounds appealing. But then we'd be missing a key opportunity that God has given us to love people, to develop charity for those who are sometimes hard to serve. They need you as much as you need them. When I'm struggling with someone or something at church, I've often come to the conclusion that I need to first pull the beam out of my own eye. If I can't extend others' grace when I see imperfection in my fellow saints, how can I expect them to do the same? We are all equally reliant on Christ's saving grace, and he extends it willingly, unworthy as we may be. I close by saying, Finally, I go to church because that is where I can partake of the sacrament and renew my covenants, be forgiven of my own failings, and find the power to endure. Cutting myself off from that because of others' imperfections only hurts me. Jesus needs me at church so he can bless me with his spirit. So I keep going. I hope you will too. So that's the end of my response. Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth that there should be no divisions among you, 
but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, do you suppose Paul is teaching that all of the saints in Corinth should think and be exactly alike? Paul was a pretty reasonable guy. I'm sure that's not what he meant to convey. Rather, I suspect he was counseling the saints that there should be an eagerness to understand one another and to strive for unity in spite of their differences. This kind of unity is, of course, only made possible if the saints would unitedly give and receive grace one to another, made possible through the grace Christ extends us. The saints of Corinth were a mixed bunch coming from varied faith traditions and backgrounds. Many of them had been pagans and Gentiles before converting to the church. I'm betting this was no picnic trying to unite such a group which is why Paul was writing the letter in the first place. Our current leaders are counseling us to do the same, to come to a unity of faith and to work to build Zion. In the April 2019 General Conference, Elder Christofferson said, Zion is the pure in heart, a people of one heart and one mind, dwelling in righteousness with no poor among them. The Prophet Joseph Smith stated, We ought to have the building up of Zion as our greatest object. We build up Zion in our homes, wards, branches, and stakes through unity, godliness, and charity. End of quote. Bottom line, it can be hard getting along with each other. We won't see eye to eye on everything. We are different people with myriad experiences and backgrounds that inevitably color our perspective differently on the world. That is not to say that we can't strive for understanding, compassion, and ultimately love one another. God intends us to learn from one another. That is why we have designated ward families, which can be really hard, but I think he's strong arming us into developing more charity if we will allow that situation to work on us and change us. I hope we will each take seriously the opportunity to help in the building up of Zion and make an earnest effort to love each of our brothers and sisters. In so doing, we will be creating wards and stakes that, as Isaiah stated, can become the defense and refuge from the storm that we all desperately need in these last days. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor is this podcast affiliated with the church. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to receive updates on future episodes. You can submit comments or questions at stillrowing.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.